Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. For those of you who have been joining me in the last few weeks, welcome back. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, we are happy to have you. During these challenging times, we understand that our clients have a lot to be concerned about. And we are here to try to provide relevant information on how what's happening in the markets and the economy may impact you, your family, or your business in the coming months. Today, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to dig in further to what's happening with the price of oil. The word unprecedented has been thrown about frequently over the past two months, but what happened over the last several days in the energy market certainly fits that bill. First, let me describe what exactly is happening, as we have received a number of questions as to the mechanics of this sharp drop in oil. While many investors do not actively participate in the futures market, it's the means by which oil and other commodities are traded. Unlike security market futures, Commodity market futures require you to pay a certain price for a commodity to be delivered sometime in the future. Yes, very clever. Therefore, they're a great way for oil producers to ensure a specific price for their product and oil consumers to better control their cost of goods. Well, all of that makes sense. How does the price of oil then go negative as we experienced this week? Well, as it turns out, it requires an extraordinary set of circumstances which we have. Mostly, however, it centers around this need for the physical delivery of oil at the expiration of the contract. Because there's this physical delivery, traders do not want to be caught holding the bag at the end of the futures contract, which have rolling expirations every month. In addition, consumers of oil need to find somewhere to store the oil until they need it. The problem today is that the oil market is massively oversupplied. So while cuts from the major producers of oil, such as Saudi Arabia, are coming in early May, this sharp decline in demand for oil globally has caused oil to build up in storage here in the United States. And therefore, producers and consumers have become increasingly concerned about where these barrels for delivery in May, and now looking forward to June, are going to go. Typically, in a normal environment, this would be a short-term technical challenge, But given the outlook for the global economy over the next two to three months, the situation could certainly persist. So with that said, how should we feel about low oil prices? I think there are three impacts that are worth discussing. First, for any of you who may have attended one of our webcasts or talked with one of our client advisors about our views on the economy, you know that oil prices are something that we track as an economic variable to create our macroeconomic forecasts and outlook. And typically the way that we view that is that low energy prices are good for consumers. And the reason why is that gas tends to be a large part of our weekly, monthly, yearly costs, uh, in addition to for those people who live in colder climates, heating oil and or natural gas. And so when those costs go down, those needs-based costs go down, there's a greater amount of discretionary income that's available to be plowed back into other parts of the economy. Think dining out, shopping. So when energy prices go down, it typically accelerates consumption in the global economy. The challenge here is that we're stuck at home. 
sheltering in place, practicing social distancing. So these lower gas prices and the fact that we aren't filling up our tank once a week or even once a month at this juncture for many of us is that we're not able to go out and put that money back into the economy. And so the relative benefit of these lower oil prices is going to be very minimal during this period. Now, if lower prices persist for the next 6, 12, 18 months, then certainly we would expect there to be an added benefit as it relates to consumption. However, it's unlikely that prices can persist at these low levels for long enough for us to gain some sort of benefit from it. What we've also seen over the course of the last month or so with this decline in oil prices, as we've seen a pretty sharp reaction from both the equity markets and the bond markets on these lower oil prices. And so many have asked me, you know, is this because the energy stocks or energy companies in general are incredibly important from an investment perspective? And the answer is no. Uh, Prior to 2006 and the super cycle that commodities were experiencing. Energy stocks were a much larger part of major stock market indices and had a more meaningful impact on the day-to-day moves in things like the S&P 500. Now, with the lesser importance of energy companies as part of the index, that really doesn't create a significant amount of day-to-day volatility uh, when energy stocks move Uh, either up and down on a day-to-day basis. However, why equity markets react negatively to lower oil prices is that lower oil prices or the decline in oil prices, uh, particularly a sharp decline, is coincident with a deceleration in economic growth. And so as that demand for oil comes down, that's indicative, particularly in the manufacturing sector, of lower levels of activity. And it is that indication that we are headed for a period of slower growth or potentially negative growth as the one that we're clearly in at this time, that that's what those energy uh, investors are reacting to and the equity market in general is reacting to. And then on the bond side, with the large levels of issuance um, of energy companies into the bond space, there is stress in the bond market, particularly in the what we call uh, high yield or um, non-investment grade part of the bond market when uh, oil prices come down because there's concerns about those energy companies being able to service their debt. And so that reaction of combining you know, potential dislocation in the credit market with this view towards lower economic growth is really why you see the significant reaction of capital markets to lower oil prices, uh, there are multiple ripple effects to that when oil prices go down. Finally, I want to talk about what lower oil prices mean to the U.S. as a producer of oil. And this has been a sort of a newer phenomenon for us. If you go back to the oil shocks in the 1970s that we experienced, and then our continued participation in conflicts in the Middle East, all of that was based on our situation, which was we were a consumer of oil. We required uh, oil 
to be imported into the United States from OPEC producers. And thus, our involvement in conflicts in the Middle East in particular was based on our need to protect our source of oil and work in concert with those that were providing it to us. It was also a great opportunity in the period after the financial crisis when unemployment was higher to be able to allow for job growth and training in skilled professions to fuel this boom, which came to be known as the energy renaissance here in the United States. And so we moved to production of oil and gas here, uh, really focusing on shale plays and, and obviously the extraction of uh, oil from shale is different than what is experienced in the Middle East, and it's actually more costly and less efficient. And so for much of the decade, uh, there was this emphasis on the competitive advantage that would be provided to the United States if we were producing our own oil. And frankly, oil prices were high enough to be able to support the higher cost of production. And with oil prices now continuing in what appears to be sort of a free fall over the course of the last several months, it's going to be difficult for the U.S. oil and gas industry to remain afloat given these lower oil prices. And so there's always going to be an advantage to uh, the OPEC countries that are producing oil from drills in the middle of the desert uh, versus the way that we're forced to extract oil from the ground here in the United States. And so as this, as these oil, these low oil prices persist, there is a clear threat to the sustainability of the oil and gas industry here in the United States. The President Trump has uh, made statements over the course of the last several days calling for support of the U.S. oil and gas industry. And from a strategic perspective, that really does make sense. However, at some point, there does have to be an improvement in the trend of oil prices in order to make any of this uh, sustainable and viable over the course of the next five to 10 years. And so, unfortunately, you know, many of the jobs that were created in the U.S. oil and gas industry, those are, as I said, tend to be more skilled jobs uh, with good wages. And many of those are in jeopardy at this juncture if we are not able to create some sort of floor on oil prices um, due to a combination of lower supply and increased demand. And therefore, this could be one of these, as we discussed in the podcast last week, one of the part of this second wave of the impacts of the coronavirus is, you know, job losses and are potentially um, company closures as a result of uh, the prices that we're seeing today. Well, I know there's a lot to think about. I think this question of where do we go from here as it relates to oil prices is one that we'll continue to, to talk about and hear more about. Um, And while there is still a lot of uncertainty about this, as well as many of the other things that are happening in the economy and in the markets, we do want to encourage all of our clients to reach out to Boston Private with any questions or concerns that you may have. Providing guidance and support as your trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives as this situation evolves by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're there. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And join me next week as we discuss more of what's happening today and how it affects you. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.